All right, Renaissance family. So the sermon you're about to watch was recorded on Friday evening, and a lot has changed between Friday evening and right now. Uh, in case you are living under a rock, there's been some huge news with respect to our presidential election. And like many of you, I was very relieved and been celebrating. Uh, not that I think everything is perfect now, but uh, certainly many of the things I've been praying for with respect to justice and unity, I feel like we're moving in that direction. But we have many exhausting days ahead of us, which is why I'm really excited for us to listen to this message and to put these words into practice. So I love y'all and grateful that y'all are with us today. What's going on, Renaissance family? My name is Jordan. I'm one of the pastors here. So grateful that you've tuned in with us for our online service. And I'm really excited because this is my favorite time of the year coming up, um, partly because in a couple of weeks, I get to turn on my Mariah Carey Christmas album. But uh, Christmas is also one of my favorite seasons because we do something at Renaissance, which has quickly become the favorite thing that we do. Uh, even before we were an official church, every year for the last seven years, we've done a toy drive where we have given hundreds of families uh, toys for their kids. And we've made it an amazing experience where we gift wrap stuff and we have personal shoppers to help them along the way. And the most important thing about that, what it does is it dignifies and it just blesses people and this year we had to get a little creative because of the pandemic, but we're doing an, an outdoor uh, toy, uh, toy drive for um, several hundred families in Harlem. And this is where you come in uh, in two ways. One, know that your generosity, what you give to Renaissance is helping us to do this. So, so, so grateful for y'all who are giving online. And two, we're trying to get a hundred volunteers to help us, and these will be people who help unbox stuff, set up. It's gonna be in the, in the courtyard, the playground, next to PS76 on Saturday, December 5th, I believe, um, and we are really excited for that. So go to renaissancenyc.com connect, and also I will be sending out a churchwide email tomorrow or the next day with information on how to sign up. And also be sure to uh, follow us on Instagram and um, Facebook and Twitter. We'll be putting the links there to sign up as well. So I know this year is gonna be even more amazing than years past, and I'm really excited that uh, y'all gonna be rocking with us. So before we get into today's message, I'm gonna pray for us. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, we come to you now um, knowing that we need you and we acknowledge our need of you. So Father, I pray that you would use me in this moment, Lord, though I am inadequate to, to do anything on my own. And I pray that you would uh, empower me by your Holy Spirit to speak words that come from you, and Lord, that your words from scripture would just hit our hearts and they would transform us. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So this past week for me has been a couple of words. I would describe them as, uh, depleted, exhausted, and overwhelmed. Now for me, it's not just the election. I definitely have been on Twitter too much and watching way too much news, uh, but there's also been just some stuff going on in my family and uh, I am a control freak. And whenever there's a situation that arises that, that is concerning to me, but when it's something that I can't do anything about, that just raises the stress level up a couple of notches. So this week felt like a perfect cocktail of stuff going on nationally and also stuff in, in my family. And it just left me feeling overwhelmed. And I wanna be someone who practices what I, what I preach. And so this week, I, I turned to some scriptures for me and not to preach it, but something that I found to be so refreshing, so life-giving. 
And here's what I know to be true when you turn the words in scripture. Jesus promises us that he is like a well that never runs dry. Uh, my family reunion every year in Buffalo Junction, Virginia, the big city of Buffalo Junction, Virginia, um, we have well water. And growing up, there would be about 20 New Yorkers all going down to my grandmother's house in Virginia uh, that was built in the 1910s. And she, um, they lived on well water. And when you have 20 people from New York, you can't take long showers. Um, you can't have people in there, you know, taking long baths or anything like that. Everybody has to use the water very sparingly because it's a limited resource. What we see in scripture is that Jesus uh, and his Holy Spirit are, is a well that never runs dry. And we can go back to it over and over and over and over again and find refreshment. So this week, there were some scriptures that for me and some practices that I, that I was able to uh, go through this week that were just refreshing. And if you're feeling depleted, overwhelmed, exhausted, whatever the emotion is, I, I pray and I hope that this will be refreshing for you as well. Now, quick caveat before we get into this. Uh, for some people, for some, in some situations, life is just so difficult and challenging in certain moments. Maybe you lost someone that's close to you. Maybe you just lost your job. Maybe you just had your heart broken. Whatever the scenario is, some situations are just so painful that it's kind of natural to, to feel overwhelmed because grief is just exhausting. And I want to give you space to not beat yourself up if you're feeling like that right now. Um, but many other circumstances, a lot of times we're overwhelmed and we're depleted because we're not going to the well and because we're not um, doing the things that God calls us to do in scripture. And in some ways, some of it is preventable. I love this one line in the song. It says, oh, what needless grief we bear. So uh, I want to turn to a portion of scripture in Philippians um, 4 and 6. And I'm going to spend about 20 seconds in the first couple verses and then the majority of our time today uh, in the remaining verses. The first verse in verse 6, it says this. It says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And then it says, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So the first thing it says in verse 6 is it gives us different ways to pray. And it says, don't be anxious about anything, but instead take those anxieties and pray through them. Pray those anxieties to God and take those to God with thanksgiving. Now, Paul says this in verse 6 that don't be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, take your requests to God. So in essence, Paul is telling us that there are two ways to pray. And there are two ways that I was tempted to pray this week. One is with thanksgiving, and another one is without thanksgiving. To pray without thanksgiving is to go to God because you're feeling overwhelmed, and you run out your list of things that you want God to do to change the world. It might be very good things. And in a lot of ways, your peace depends on God's response to those things. To pray with thanksgiving is something very subtle that Paul is hinting at that I found so much uh, soul-nourishing, refreshing in this week. And to pray with thanksgiving is to remind yourself of the, of the, of the goodness of God, of the faithfulness of God. Remind yourself how, um, of scriptures that can nourish you, how good and faithful God is to you. And whenever I start my prayers with thanksgiving, it just changes the whole tone of my prayers. So this week when I was feeling overwhelmed, I started my prayers with thanksgiving, thanking God, that he has never left me or forsaken me. And I was going back in time and thinking about 
all of the tough situations that God has brought me through th throughout the years, um, when I lost my late wife and uh, scares and different things throughout the years, and God has never left me then. And starting my prayers with the knowledge and reminding myself of God's faithfulness to me changed the whole tone of the prayers. But where I want to go for the rest of today is actually verses 8 and 9 in Philippians 4. And Paul has a lot to say to us about how do we find refreshment and peace in chaotic times. Um, Paul was writing this letter from prison. Uh, Paul had endured so many different trials along the way. And Paul is telling us how you and I can have peace, how we can be refreshed, how we can fill our tank in exhausting and really unnerving times. And here's what Paul says in verses eight and nine. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Dwell on these things, Paul says. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the peace of God will be with you. Now, Paul says some very interesting things here. He's giving the, the church in Philippi, and he's also by extension giving it to us, ways that you and I can find energy and nourishment and refreshment for our soul. And Paul is saying this, listen, whatever is good, whatever is lovely, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, I want you to dwell on these things. And here's what is challenging for me when I hear words like this in scripture, and it might be challenging for you as well. I tend to believe, I know it's wrong, I tend to believe that organic things are more real than intentional actions. So I tend to believe that if there's something that I want to do that I feel motivated to do, then that's real. But if I just do it because I feel like I have to do it or I feel like it's the right thing, then for whatever reason, I just kind of feel like it's, it's not as real. And I think that's because we prefer the organic versus the intentional as if what happens organically is what is uh, expected or required or recommended for us. Now, this is a little bit of an aside, but some of the best and happiest couples I know at Renaissance are couples that met on online dating services. Now, I know the horror stories. I've heard many of the horror stories from many of you. I'm not saying they all end up this way. But some of the people who have the best relationships went into it very intentionally in order to get a relationship out of it. And they're thrilled and they're happy and um, life is good for them. But a lot of times people feel like unless it's organic, unless it just happens spontaneously, then it's not real. So when you hear things in scripture that tell you, listen, I know you're going to be tempted to let your mind go to other places. Don't do that. Whatever is good, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence and anything praiseworthy, I don't want you to dwell on the other things. I want you to intentionally dwell on these things. Be intentional. Now, this week, in feeling overwhelmed, uh, and I know I'm a pastor, and I know the, the um, stereotype is that I'm just sitting in my house all day hearing direct revelations from God, and life is just uh, this 24-7 marathon of prayer and scripture reading, and it's definitely not that. It's diaper changing, it's uh, LeBron arguments in the background, it's, it's not nearly that exciting. And this week I had to say, Jordan, I don't feel like reading scripture, I don't feel like praying, but I know God is calling me to do this, and this is where I met God in a, in a real way this week. Um, 
I've had periods in my life that are more spiritually dry and spiritually nourishing than others. And this week I, I found real deep abiding with Jesus, not because of something that I felt in, in, uh, organically, but something that happened after the re result of an intentional decision. Now, this is true for my relationship with God. This is true for my relationship with my brother and my friends and my parents and my wife and my kids. Whenever you and I make by intentional effort, whenever we create intentional spaces to connect with anybody, organic and real connection can happen. So I, I want us to, to hear these words from Paul as a reminder to never favor the organic versus the intentional. God might be trying to meet you and refresh you and refuel you through something that you do intentionally and us creating intentional spaces, create a space for God to connect with us and for us to connect with God in a real way. Now, the second thing that I've really discovered this week, uh, rediscovered this week, is we have a choice, oh, we, sorry, we don't have a choice of the thoughts that pop into our heads. We have no, no choice of the thoughts that pop into our heads, but we can choose what we dwell on, right? So let's go back to that word in verse eight. Paul says, whatever's good and lovely and pure, dwell on these things. To dwell means to live or to stay as a permanent resident, to reside. There's a scripture in John 1 where it tells us uh, the beauty of the incarnation and God coming to earth in the person of Jesus. And it says that Jesus made his dwelling among us, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. But if I'm being completely honest, uh, this is not the first thing that I did this week when I was um, overwhelmed and just really felt depleted. I wasn't dwelling on God and his word. I wasn't dwelling on what was good and lovely. I do what my therapist calls writing the script. Now, writing the script is, is basically when something happens in my life or when something's happening around me, I write the script, like a movie script, of everything that's going to happen, sometimes like 20 years down the road. So with the election, I wrote the script of all the things that were going to happen, and next thing I knew, I, I envisioned myself with face paint in the woods during a civil war. And uh, it is a, one of the most unhealthy things you can do to write the script. Uh, not only does it add to your worry, which is unproductive, but it like never comes out the way you thought it was going to write. And all of the scripts that we write that we think are going to happen, even if it doesn't turn out good, it almost never turns out the way that we thought it was going to be. So instead of dwelling on the script that I was writing, I turned to scripture and I started to dwell on something else. And man, this is not something that is like brand new to me. It's not some super deep revelation. I just started to dwell on something that was lovely. And what's lovely to me is God's words found in scripture. And I, I turned to an old time-tested uh, passage of scripture in the Bible, Psalm 23. And I dwelled there this, this week and the first line of Psalm 23 was something that I just recited and prayed through and lived there and just dwelled in it for a, a while. And the first line is, the Lord is my shepherd. And I just paused there and I wanted to get out of it everything that um, the author intended for us. And I started to think, Jordan, if, if God is your shepherd, what does that mean? Right? Not to just read very quickly and then go on to the next thing, but to dwell there. If God is your shepherd, what does that mean? It means... He is attentive to me. He is attentive to me. A good shepherd that Jesus is called in John 10, a good shepherd is paying attention to his sheep. 
He's not off on the side on Twitter. He's not uh, disregarding them. He is attentive to them. And I was thinking to myself, Lord, you, you know what's going on in my life. Nothing surprises you in, uh, of what's happening in my life right now. Nothing surprises you what's going on in this country. Uh, all my fears about what might happen, what may not um, happen, uh, n you're not surprised by any of these things. And God, you are attentive to me. You're paying attention to me. The second thing is this, that God is concerned about us. He's concerned about me. So if God is a good shepherd, then he cares. In 1 Peter, it tells us to cast all of our cares and anxiety on him because he cares about us. Like God is concerned about us. It means also that he guides me. If he is my shepherd, then I am his sheep. And as his sheep, I don't know the way to go. So I, I took off the pressure of myself of needing to be able to figure out how everything was going to go. And I said, God, you are my shepherd. You're going to guide me. You're going to lead me. And he nurtures me. It's not a one-time thing. It's every single day, day after day. His mercies are new. God is with us, and he is leading us, and he's nurturing us. And the last one, this one is so powerful to me. God is protective of me, even at the cost of his own life. And he proved it to us on the cross when Jesus went there uh, on our behalf. God is, he's protective of us. And if he's not willing to spare his own son, then how much more would he give us everything else? If, like, if him going to the cross doesn't prove his, the, the lengths to which he'll go for us, then what, what will? So that's where I dwelled this week. And over and over and over again, I would just read through the 23rd Psalm. I would just read through that first verse. And I started to experiencing the, re the refreshing nature of what it means to dwell with God to spend time dwelling on a word, a passage, what we see here in Paul's um, letter to the Philippian church, what it looks like to just dwell on these things, not to rush past anything, but to, to dwell on them. Now, here's what's so exciting about this. In the book of Revelation, Jesus is talking to this one church, and he says this, see, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with them and them with me. Now, in the olden days, the, the practice of eating a meal was not simply for the purpose of consumption of food. It was for the purpose of connection, that hours and hours and hours would be spent just dining and laying around together. And when Jesus gives us his invitation, if anybody hears, us, hears him knocking on our doors, he will come in and eat with us. He's not just saying, we're going to have fried chicken. He's saying, we're going to lay around, we're going to dwell together uh, about Eight or nine years ago, um, when I got married, um, I'm really bad with dates and, and numbers. Hopefully my wife forgives me for that. Uh, we went on a honeymoon to, to Italy, and it was an incredible time. Italy is an amazing country. And one of the things that I noticed was how much of a New Yorker I am when I went to Italy, because we would go to the restaurant. And my wife is an Enneagram 7. She loves to have a million different activities planned. And I knew we had a number of things lined up for the day. So we go to this restaurant, and I go to the waiter, and I say, hey, can we get the check, because we're done with our meal. And we had been there about 45 minutes, and the waiter looked at me and said, okay, good, you're done, great. And then like he just went back to his stand and just sat there. And at first, I was like, yo, this dude disrespected me. Like He, he heard me say I wanted the check, and he just disregarded it. And then later, Jessica told me, like, hey, it's actually against the culture to rush someone away from their table. When people come to eat here, it's not just like we do in New York where you, where you eat for like 30 or 40 minutes and then the waiter is hovering on top of you to get you out of your seat to give the table to the next person. In many ways, in other countries, it's an experience that people block off tables for hours and hours and hours 
It is a, it's a dwelling where you sit there and you enjoy the whole experience. A lot of us will not experience the transformation, the growth, the love, the refreshing, the nourishing, the nurturing, the restoration of Jesus until we do what Paul tells us to do in the scripture and we dwell, we dwell with him, we dwell on his words and we dwell on his truth to us. So this past week has been something even more confirming to me that in many ways, uh, God cannot be the source of our strength and our peace unless we also let him direct our actions, right? So a lot of the reason that Jordan doesn't experience God's peace sometimes in, in challenging times, a lot of the reasons I don't experience God's refreshing is because I'm not letting God direct my actions. I'm saying, God, I want your peace, and I'm scrolling through my Twitter feed, which is a horrendous idea. Or God, I want your peace, and I'm calling all different people to hear all the things that are going on in the family. Or God, I want your peace, and I'm not, I'm not actually doing what you're telling me to do. And God cannot be the source of our peace unless we also let him direct our actions. And this week, you're not gonna find peace unless we do what Paul is telling us to do here in the scripture to really make sure we are dwelling on whatever's good and lovely. We're dwelling on God's words in scripture and letting those things refresh us. So kids these days, uh, they have it made. You know, my, my son, my oldest son, we bought so many different types of strollers and different things for him when he was young. And man, I would walk him to daycare when he was about two years old, my oldest. And like in the wintertime, it, I remember it was like a polar vortex and it was like eight degrees outside. But he had, on, he had one of those like sleeping bag cocoons uh, for his, his stroller seat. So this dude would be outside bundled up. And like by the time we would get to daycare most days, he'd be like sweating. It was that warm. And one day we were coming home from daycare. And for whatever reason, uh, because I guess he was two years old and they want to fight everything, he would not put his hands inside of the cocoon. He wanted to put them up. And that day, I think it was snowing and it was so cold outside. And we got about two blocks outside the outside of the daycare and I felt his hands and his hands were freezing and they were stinging in pain. He was miserable. And I kept telling him, put your hands inside. Like you're not going to be able to experience the warmth that I want you to experience unless you listen to the words that I'm telling you out of my mouth. Put your hands inside and then you'll experience what I want you to experience. I think in some ways, I can't speak for you, but for me, I'm telling God, God, I want to experience your peace. I want to experience your, your warmth. I want to experience your love. I want to experience your power. And he's like, great, dwell on these things. Turn the TV off, get off of Twitter, hop off the phone, stop, uh, get out the group chat and the memes for like 20 seconds. And I want you to spend time intentionally dwelling on truth. Dwell on it. Let it wash over you. Don't just rush past it. And in so many ways, God cannot be the source of our strength and our peace unless he is also allowed to direct our actions. And in many times, we're like the kid who has our hands up saying our, our hands are cold. And God is like, listen, here's my words to you. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence in anything praiseworthy, I want you to dwell on these things, not the other things. And scripture certainly is that category that checks all of those boxes. I want you to dwell on it. Now, if we fail to do this, then what's gonna to happen to us is we're gonna end up being really distracted. Now, in my studies this week, I came across something that's pretty fascinating. It might sound a little bizarre at first, but stay with me. 
But uh, medieval Europeans had some really weird forms of torture that they contrived. Um, it is not just soccer that they torture us with. Uh, and one of them, what they would do is they would take a victim and they would tie each one of their limbs to a horse. And then they would have the four horses run as fast as they could in opposite directions until that person was, let's just say, very stretched out. Now, this practice, as barbaric as it is, had a particular name in French that also has the same name in English, and that word is distraction. Now, the root of distraction means to be pulled apart in many different uh, directions, and quite literally, their plan was to kill people through distraction. Now, fortunately for us, that practice is not around anymore. However, the, um, the root remains the same. So many of us are being pulled apart in so many different directions, and it doesn't have to be that way. So distraction kills the best of us. It kills what God wants to do in our lives. Uh, it sabotages our creativity. It leaves us with so much hostility and a sense of shallow discontent. Now, there's a scripture that Jesus warns his followers about, and uh, he's talking about the enemy. And some of you uh, don't believe in the devil uh, but I want you sophisticated people to stay with me for a little bit because Jesus did. And he says, we have an active enemy who is trying to kill, still kill and destroy us. As it says in John 10 and 10, it says, a thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and life in abundance. And the thief's job is to destroy us or to, to ruin us, to distract us, to pull us apart. And I think one of the reasons we're we're so easy to be pulled apart is because we're not, we're not making time to, to dwell with God. So my, my, my hope for you this week is it doesn't have to be every single day. I'm not giving you a specific time period, but I want you to carve out some time, maybe today, maybe right now, to dwell with God. You don't have to know every single book of the Bible. Uh, maybe you just reflect on one of the scriptures that we've said today. If you're looking for a book of the Bible to start with, I would say John is a great one. If you're looking for a passage of scripture, Philippians 4 is a great one. Take some words and dwell on them. Think about whatever uh, Paul is telling us here in this text, and I want us to put it into practice, even if it feels a little foreign to us, because it will lead to our thriving and our refreshing and our refueling. This week, I want us to make sure we are dwelling with the one who can give life. So let me pray for us. Uh, Heavenly Father, I am sorry for all the times that I act like I am in no need of you, that I, that I act and behave as if you are an accessory that is nice to have, not something that I need to have. So Lord, I'm grateful for the, the emptiness that I've experienced because it pushed me to you, the one who is the source. And I pray this week, Lord, that we would be mindful to be intentional and to spend some time dwelling with you in silence, in scripture, and reflecting on what you have told us, things that we know to be true. So Lord, would you meet us in these moments in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.